This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. All right, we're on the At 530 on Main podcast here at the Extension Studio, 530 Main Street, Evansville, Indiana, At 530 on Main podcast, brought to you by VPS Architecture and Extend Group. Here in this wonderful podcast studio on this sunny day with Mike Davis. How are you doing, Mike? Good. Weather's good. Ready to be outside this afternoon? So. A little golf action over there. A little golf. If you guys need a sub, the guy sitting next to you will happily go. This is a uh, this is Arc Sales building, yeah. yeah. So contractors, engineers, architects, their suppliers, all specific special teams made up. Where are you planning? Or? ECC. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Beautiful. 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 Good event. Yeah. So today in the extension studio, we have Chris Berniking. For those of you who are in Evansville, know his talents. You get to see him uh, on billboards every once in a while in video production. Uh, known Chris for quite some time. Chris is the owner, president, chief executive officer of Chris Berniking Productions. Started uh, back 15 years ago, just about the same time. Started Extend Group. Chris was actually uh, a former instruct photography instructor of mom back at uh, USI. Went through an ex- was that a like 401 or 501 over at the, the old studio. But Chris is a 1995 graduate of Brooks Institute of Photography in Santa Barbara, California. He uh, left there and moved back to Evansville. He is a memorial grad, right? Correct. And started his own business. Loves to cover many aspects of photography, videography, including commercial and corporate work, weddings, and portraiture. Welcome to the At 530 on Main podcast. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you and I have history. Oh, my goodness. Chris actually photographed our wedding. Bailey was, I think, one of your first first portraitures of, you know, child child photographer. Uh, I think we were maybe even the first wedding or one of the first It was weddings. certainly one of the first ones, yeah. Yeah, where he got to experience the debauchery that happens, you know, on the way. To- <laughs> on the west side <laughs> wedding. <laughs> yeah, walking down Main Street and uh, taking those candid shots, doing a lot of that stuff. But maybe a stop by a local, local uh, store to pick up some extra beverages because we were all thirsty. Yes. Yeah. You got all that on camera. You'll, you'll get that. <laughs> yeah, you'll get that. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about the experiences that, that you've been able to uh, capture over these years. But It's been a ride. Yeah. So uh, photography since, uh, well, Obviously, that started sometime before 1995. Like, what got you into the guy behind the camera? Um, I graduated high school in uh, 88 and did not have a clue what I wanted to do. (laughs) 
So I took a gap year, which I do not recommend, but it, it worked for me. Yeah. Um, worked, worked uh, loaded some package trucks at UPS at four in the morning and decided, hey, maybe I should go to college so I don't have to do this kind <laughs> yeah. of work for the rest of my life. Did that? Uh, and so I went to USI after taking a, a short break and then still not knowing what I wanted to do. I, I had a, a passion for art, and so I took um, a lot of electives and art classes and I took drawing, 3D, sculpture, woodworking, ceramics, and that's when I stumbled onto a photography class, and it just some, just kind of clicked, and uh, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, that's when I decided, hey, I, I think I want to, you know, pursue this a little further. So I decided to uh, look into a school that was a little more specialized in that area. I think USI had... Oh, maybe just like two classes and you couldn't major in it. You know, you had to be a, a fine art major, which is fine. But I wanted a little bit more of a specialized education. So, yeah, went out to Santa Barbara to a school that was very, very specialized in photography. And um, students would come there from all over the world. I made some friends from other countries. I had a good friend of mine from Sweden and... Um, that was kind of cool to see all these cultures coming together. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, the sad thing is it was a great school, and it is now out of business. Oh. <laughs> so it, that kind of says something about the industry, I feel like. But, uh, but, yeah, it was a great experience. Lived out there for four years. Wound up having my firstborn child in California and um, was living outside of San Francisco in Marin County, which— at the time, I believe, was one of the most expensive places to live in the United States. Yeah. So we couldn't afford to live where I worked, so we lived several towns north, and I drove for two hours in bumper-to-bumper traffic to work and two hours in bumper-to-bumper traffic after work. And after about six months of that and having a newborn and not knowing anyone out there, we were like, we're out of here. And we came back to the Midwest. Evan, yeah. Evansville specifically. Good old Evansville. Yeah. So, man, a lot in that story. And as you, we talk about the word experience and you've seen an entire industry, you talked about it, you know, shift there. So take us, you know, a little bit through that journey, if you will, because I mean, I, I know there's a lot of you know, listeners, you know, millions, I'm sure, if I had the numbers right, you know, on this podcast. Ha ha. Fact we, check. <laughs> we need to fact check that. Yeah. But if you get into it, you know, we'd live in a, you know, photo based world and Insta, Snapchat. Like, tell us a little bit about going from when you started and, you know, there's multiple different camera styles, there's different film, there's all those things to where we're at today. Take us do a journey there. Give us a little photo education. Yeah. It's an industry that's obviously seen huge change over the course of about 20 years. I started, of course, shooting on film and um, learning techniques that have been around for, you know, a half a century, or yeah. basically. Learning on film, learning how to make an exposure that you don't know if it's right or wrong until you are in the darkroom and watching the image come up. 
yeah. in the under a red light. And so when I was in school in the mid nineties, I think Photoshop had just come out, maybe version two or something like that. And we we were just dipping our toe in that water of the digital world. And everything at that time was still being captured analog on film, but then brought into the the computer if you needed to do some digital editing. And then it was just it just took off from there with you know the first digital cameras. You could go off in a lot of different tangents on that, but it's definitely been an evolution. And what's happened is I sometimes make a comparison of photography to printing or having a, a piece of paper with type on it. Yeah. Years ago, and we're talking a hundred years ago, if you wanted a brochure printed, you had to take that to a typographer or and someone who had a printing press, you know? Yeah. And now all you do is you click a button and it spits out of your printer. And photography is kind of like that in that you used to have have to have a very specialized skill set and the equipment to do it. And not the average Joe had the ability. And they had you had to hire a photographer to if you wanted an image of something. And so that's definitely come full circle and you know it's become very very accessible yes anyone can go in well and even with smartphones but you know it's very easy to go purchase equipment that will take amazing images and it's very easy to learn how to do it so yeah it's it's an industry that has seen a complete revolution but talk a little bit about i can remember i mean not too long ago, or maybe it was a long time ago, just being the experience of being in a, you talked about the red light and knowing that there's three different, you know, three different chemicals and knowing the experience that went into, oh, I went out and shot this and the anticipation to go back and see which exposure on the camera mm -hmm. and then the smell of the dark room yeah. and uh it was like i think it was vinegar was that one of the last it's the yeah there's like uh there's a there's developers stop bath fixer and they all have they're all very stinky and yeah you know you got to be careful not to mix certain things or <laughs> or you could create cyanide gas and die you know there's, <laughs> there was there was a magic to that process and it was it was truly fun to see that image just appearing out of nowhere on a piece of photographic paper. And, you know, as much as I loved that at the time, I don't really want to go back to it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a been there, done that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And one of the questions talked about what is something that's well-designed. Yeah. Um, I feel like... Mike, you just took your question. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm jumping around. But <laughs> yeah. um, to me, good design is reflected in something that you use, but you didn't even know you you needed. And to me, digital photography is kind of that. Yeah. You know, it's like back in the, in the days of film, we were perfectly content to shoot on film all day long. And now that we're shooting digital, it's like, man, I... I can't see going back, you know? Yeah. Well, you lose that. As this is about experience, but that's what the experience you, you lose, 
right? To, yeah. When you even it's definitely even, a trade-off. Even from people when you're taking pictures and you go and you're like, oh, this one turned out well, and what was this? And it's weird when you get all your pictures because you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can be to, surprised. Used to, used to be. Yeah. You, you're. Yeah. That's a good point. You're kind of losing that that present. You know, yeah. when you go pick up your prints at the one hour photo right. and, yeah. and you you can't wait to start flipping through them to see what you got yeah yeah now it's like oh here's 25 delete 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 mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah you're just yeah. it's and then you know we used to have a roll of film that would have 36 exposures on it you know yeah. now if if i'm shooting an event and i look down and i see that my memory card only has like i don't know let's say Three or four hundred images mm-hmm. left on its on its card. I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, oh, I better get another card ready. <laughs> you know, yeah. Back in the day, you're just like, change out the film. Yeah. Well, and some of those, I, I can go back to our trip to New York, and we we're at the Guggenheim, and I had a Holga, you know, the old, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. basically toy cameras, right, with quarter, and I started on the outside, and it started clicking exposures as I walked in and then got the dome and everything. And I couldn't wait to get home and actually put it through the developer. And it is, it's literally um, the home that I have today still in a frame, but it looks like a piece of Photoshop work from way back then. Yeah, And it's, it's probably eight to 10 inches long and it just starts from the outside and it's click. And I just rotated it like a quarter at a time and just over i didn't go frame yeah and it went all the way around and it i don't know how you would i mean we scanned it into the you know using the slide scanner Mm -hmm. and got it into digital but yeah that is still one of my favorite pieces ever there's something to be said for doing things that way and you Mm -hmm. know not having to digitize it and do all these photoshop techniques and so photography and videography and everything is, I mean, that's how we told our stories. That was our family, you know, our family portraits. It was the way we told news. You know, I watched uh, Elvis over the weekend and, you know, everything was a, a press conference and everybody's coming out and there's a thousand, you know, different cameras popping off and all that. Like, how is... That experience versus what we have today, how is that impacting storytelling? That's a good question. You know, one of the things that the way we do it now, it's encouraged a sense of immediacy in everyone. You know, the press conferences that you talk about of, you know, back in the day with, you know, those guys might have to wait a couple of days to see those photos and to to get them out in the press you know Mm -hmm. um now it's um right away it happens right away i i've have a system that i use for certain corporate events where as i'm shooting the event my camera is sending low-res jpegs to an app on my phone which is in turn running a script that sends it to a Dropbox folder. Oh, wow. And so the event's happening. I'm out there taking pictures. My phone's sending the photos to Dropbox. And then my client's sitting in the in a corner on, on a laptop posting to social media. 
mm. as the event's happening. So that's definitely something that's changed, you know. Yeah. Well, you're capturing everything, too. So what's that experience again? Like, back in the day, you had to try and get certain shots because you wanted to try and capture what that moment was about. Now it's just take a picture of everything and yeah. hope, hope people get it. And yeah. You interpret it however you want. Right. right. And then, you know, the other thing is we're so inundated with photos these days that once you see that picture, it's like, oh, yeah, great. And then swipe. Gone. Yeah. Never to be seen again. And it hits social media and it'll pop up five years later and you'll have a memory and you're like, oh, I remember that. (laughs) And then you'll reshare it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really weird because it probably affected a lot of industries too when you think about all the great photographs or photographers over the years and their books and the moments they captured throughout time. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like that, yeah, that they might capture something, but yeah. Are you going to ever see it? Are you ever going to have that same impact when it's one of a thousand? And I think that's one of the reasons that I do enjoy shooting weddings is because you're capturing someone's memories for them. And it's kind of, I consider it a a privilege. They may not look at the photos every day, but it's something they can, in 10 years, look back at 15 years and say, oh, yeah, this this is... (laughs) how this went down and right. you know here's the people that were there and so what do you think about like the polaroid cameras my son wants one of those like the little bitty i, I think it's it very interesting yeah. how those have popped back up yeah they're and retro I, now yeah they're and it's like what wait a minute like, they're that popular. Yeah. Like, I don't see it as a cost. Like, the camera can't possibly cost that much. To, it's, you know, it's, it's been around forever. The yeah. the film's expensive. The camera's expensive. It's like, wait, is this all because it's, like, this retro thing right now? Well, and the quality of those pictures is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just the, it's the retro it's aspect. Instant. It's like, ooh, I have a tangible thing that I'm holding, and it's it's not digital. It's I'm not looking at a screen. Yeah. You know, that's different, right? Yeah. Oh, and it's there's a whole experience, like, not only when you get the camera, but then you get the accessories where you hang them up in your room, and it might be a, you know, for the boys' room, it might be a tractor one or whatever, but it has the paper clips and all that stuff yeah. of what yeah. the old photography studio looked like. Yeah. And then sometimes they have, like, some of them come with kits, and they have pens and stickers that you put mm. on the picture, so you decorate it, like, how you want it. It's like a very weird it's it's, it, it's weird. It's an interesting but it's it, it ties into experience. Yeah. You know, it's the experience of having that little picture shoot out the camera and seeing it develop in front of your eyes. You yeah. Know, that's that's an experience. Yeah. So fee you know, now it used to be photography, now it's productions. That has a lot to do with with video, right? And and how you go from the still to the motion. Yeah. How has how that has evolved through the years in, in your in your profession? Right. So I used to work at camera stores before I went to well before and after I I went to photography school uh, and during for that matter. <laughs> and so back in those days, if you wanted to shoot video, you know that was a whole separate camera and you had the camcorder that would 
stay up here on your yeah. shoulder. And I never ever liked video because the image quality was just not there. You know, it it didn't compare to what you could get in a still photo, mm-hmm. just in terms of detail and sharpness and color fidelity and resolution. You know, you'd see this little fuzzy looking video image and it's like man that's kind of crummy yeah so when digital cameras um after they'd been out for a while the manufacturers started to incorporate some video functionality into a still camera and that's kind of when i started playing with it and what was really cool about it is it's like this looks exactly like a still photograph only it's moving yeah and it's like it's like your still photo has come to life, and it just adds, for me, video and film adds another layer on top of the image, imaging process. You know, you're adding um, the component of sound and the component of motion, and I personally feel like you can create content that is you can create more of an emotional connection with your viewer by adding those components music especially i think can be very powerful to evoke an emotion from a viewer and and so i i've kind of fallen in love with it and um after you do something for 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 so long you kind of you know burnout's a real thing yeah um and so video for me has kind of re-energized my uh, creative spirit, so to speak. And you can get 60 frames a second at 4K now, right? Yes, you can. Man. Yeah. Yep, you can shoot really fantastic um, quality content. The equipment you need just keeps getting smaller, cheaper, more accessible. I shoot a lot of stuff with a GoPro these days. And, yeah. Uh, quality is amazing it's not what i get with my bigger camera but i think you know to kind of go off on a tangent that for me it's not about having the highest quality produced i I don't think that's what people want and can see you know if, if we're talking about let's say we're trying to sell something to uh to a consumer they want something authentic yeah they don't necessarily want something that's super slick and produced and so to me being able to be mobile and fast that's more important to be able to be in the right place at the right time capture a moment that's happening right away and it creates an authentic message that i think um the days of long format yeah the days of like these real slick ad campaigns i think are going away with social media Instagram reels, TikTok. Yeah. That's what people are looking at. That's where the eyeballs are. Everybody, like, there's multiple influence. Like, one of the ones that I listen to is literally being filmed all day long and just taking, you know, five, 10, 15 second sound bites of them at a, a coffee conversation or, uh, you know, at a conference or whatever it is. Yeah. Or they're, they literally yeah. just finished running and they had this idea and it's like everything is immediately out yeah immediately out immediately out and as you say the the setting up the shot and the process that we got to 
the no. car needs to be at this spot when the sun is at this angle to get this reflection and at the magic hour, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that we want. Like That seems to the viewer is not. I think consumers have grown tired of that. Yeah. And they want something that is that they feel like they can connect to a little bit more on a on a personal level yeah it's Uh, you know they can attain that yeah yeah as much as the uh i always go to the you build that beautiful picture in that that whether it be the car in that scene at that hour or whatever it is you're aspiring to that but what most consumers can't afford maybe that version of that car, but they can't afford like the T-shirt or whatever that is. They want to have a small piece of that. Just a taste of it. Yeah. yeah. And that instantaneous ability to be next to it, be in that moment and talk about it, I think gets us a lot closer to, you know, yeah, exactly. as you say, that authentic experience around whatever that brand is. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about, and said the word experience probably a hundred times by now. What does it mean to you? What does the word mean to you? Because we always talk about common vocabulary that's expressed through tools. So what is the word experience? Yeah, that was I, – I had a tough time on that question because, you know, it can mean a lot of different things. To me, the, the best way I could kind of sum it up in a concise way is anything that creates a memory. So whether I had a great experience at this restaurant – or I had a really lousy experience at a car dealership, whatever. Yeah. And so an experience creates a memory. And even if it's a user experience with a, a piece of technology, you know, that's a memory. Mm-hmm. And then you can talk about experience in the context of, oh, this person has a lot of experience in his field or her field. And it's all that means is that person has a, large database of memories that, mm-hmm. that they're drawing from. So to me, an experience is just almost the same thing as creating a memory, whether it's good or bad. And ideally, if we're all kind of in the business of creating experiences for our clients, ideally they're good experiences, but the whole idea is to create good memories for those who we are working for. And um, mm-hmm. if we do our jobs right, they'll walk into a space mm-hmm. and remember that, oh, this was really lovely. Or they'll look at a picture and think, wow, this is, I'm glad they captured this. When you look at architecture and you look at the physical space, how important do you, you know, believe that is to the overall experience? Because we talk about, we've talked about marketing and, you know, setting up the perfect, like the space that you're physically in, how does that move the moment? and help tell the story? I think architecture is one of those things I kind of touched on earlier. Like, you don't realize that you needed it until you have it, and then it's like, oh, yeah, this is amazing, you know? I got to visit New York for the first time a few weeks ago and really got a, you know, architecture overload on (laughs) on that trip, and and just, it, it can be a very powerful art form, I feel like. And um, probably not a, every person considers architecture when they're in it. 
mm-hmm. um, and experiencing it. But that might be a sign of good architecture. Yep. Um, Notice it. Yeah, yeah. If it's bad, you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's always that way. But the way you capture it on film, whether it's, you know, an image or whether it's through video, I've always said, especially good architecture, like it, you're never going to capture the feeling of being there. Right. But you capture other moments that are just as impressive, you know, when you see it like in a movie or you see even still images of how did that person photo taking this photograph, how did they capture you know, try to capture what was in this building. What were the important moments in the building? Yeah. But ultimately, if you're not there, you you didn't experience it, and yeah. that that makes a total difference because there's a human scale that was thought out and yeah. and proportions, and you can never capture that fully. And that's one of the frustrating things about photography and videography is that you can't capture what it was like to really be there. You can only capture um, a representation of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure architecture, you know, to show that to people without yeah. being able to <laughs> walk someone in somewhere, it's like... Oh, yeah, because it's, it's our day and age, right? It's because people are like, oh, I looked at pictures of it. I'm like, yeah, don't. Right. That's not the same thing. Yeah. You can get so much from that, but you're not going to get what, it, what it's like to be there. You're not going to get what the sense of scale is even. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times in photography, you're trying to do this space and you're trying to get this wide angle and you're trying to get all this mm-hmm. information to showcase the project for the client or for whoever to put on a website, to put in a magazine or whatever. But when you go there, it's like, well, this seems smaller than. <laughs> yeah. And there's been attempts made to. You know, when you're standing in a space, you can turn around, you can look up, down, and and there's been attempts to try and recreate that. And I think we're getting closer with this VR Oculus stuff. I haven't really experienced that myself, but I've heard that it's pretty mind-blowing. But it's still not the same. It is, yeah, but it's still not the same. Yeah. Because you're still not physically present. Yeah. So right now, I mean, if you're really going to do it, it's going to be a hybrid, right? It's going to be a hybrid of something where you're doing AR, where you're clicking it, and then all these walls are cardboard. And you're kind of walking around going, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I see what this is going to look like. But yet you still have the physical mm-hmm. footprint of the space, you know, incorporated into what you're, yeah. what you're showing your clients. Yeah. And you get a lot, and it's more, but that's more a function. You know, like, where do you want, where do you want this hung? Or where do you want that? Or how do you see your desk sitting in here, you know? as opposed to actually getting a sense of the space. Breaking that down even more, I mean, I was scrolling through, you know, social yesterday and saw a device that was on a tripod, and I started thinking about you, Chris, that it was, it was I can't remember the name of it, it's yellow, and there's this big box, and it's on an, you know, it's on an axis, and it's literally going through and scanning the whole room, and you actually built, you take it and put it in the middle, and it you walk it through these rooms, and it builds this augmented walkthrough of a home, yeah, or a building, or whatever. Is that the new one? Yeah, it, yeah. There's a new one that came out and talk about another industry that's going to be decimated. They came out with that technology, and it's pretty affordable, I think, and so anybody can do it. Yeah, you just take this 
I mean, it's literally an iPhone built into a large box that's on a mechanical, you know, tripod. And it goes through and it scans the ceiling, scans the floor, and then does a whole 3D circle and takes you like – and you basically plot the room and it will join it all together and give you basically a virtual walkthrough of a space. Yeah, so they've had this – system i think it's called matterport for a while mm-hmm. um that does that but it sounds i haven't heard of this yeah. new one that you're talking about yeah, this is about, new because we work with a lot of companies that do that scanning and there's a lot of work that goes into it and in producing the 3d model so you can do the generic dumbed down kind of version or you do like the, what you're talking about and you get all these data points and, right and it's neat it's great technology but it's like you know, for someone other than a company to do it, it's really expensive, you know, and it takes a lot of time to learn. And it's like, now you have this, and it's like, uh, is that going to replace them? And like, now every firm's just going to have their own, kind of like, you know, when we go out in the field and we're taking pictures with our phone, mm-hmm. you know, we're just uploading them right to our yeah. file folder and yeah, it's it's goes along the same line of, you know, everything this is all becoming so accessible to to anyone who wants to to take the time to to learn a little bit about it and yeah. um for a very small investment they can get started in something like that. I don't think it'll ever replace the eye, though the person that can actually tell the story. The thing, you know, like we all have these tools. It's literally how do you tell the story with them? Yeah. Well, and that, but that's what's getting watered down, right? And I think in our profession, I'm sure in your profession everywhere is like, who's actually skilled at this and who's just doing something? Like yeah. to me, it's always like, yeah, you can go find the cheapest, and you're gonna get the cheapest, but no one realizes it until after the fact, and they're like, yeah, this wasn't very good. I've I've joked around for years that that iPhones are gonna put me out of business, but I think you're right, Sean, in that. Um, it's not the to quote to quote Maverick. It's it's not the plane. It's the pilot in the box, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the person with the skills, right? You're paying for 20, 30 years of experience, right? Not just a set of drawings like for us, or just not some pictures like. Yeah. I think you can put an iPhone in the hands of um, person A who doesn't have the eye for it, and put that same iPhone in the hands of a veteran photographer in the same exact setting and you'll get two completely different sets of of photos or videos. Totally. I mean, just going through, you know, on a scroll per day, you can tell who has the eye for an angle versus who's just trying to get that one thing. Yeah. Um, And likewise, um, someone who has that gift um, but may not be trained uh, you can tell that too you know Uh, it's like wow you saw this in a really cool way and you're just a 16 year old kid yeah (laughs) who hasn't even finished high school (laughs) or you know whatever absolutely so it's it's a cool way of vetting you know that those who who kind of get it and knows who it's not their thing. Well, yeah, and it goes back to what we were kind of touched on earlier with the developing people. It's like 
you start to feel like people, oh, I don't need to be developed. I don't need to have a mentor. I don't need to have someone teach me any of this because it's, I just Google it. Yeah. My most important part of my career journey was working for some photographers that were very, very talented and um, had been doing it for, for years and years. And I learned way more from working for those guys than I learned in school. Yeah. Um, or even doing it on your own, I think, too. It's like you can only do so much on your own and you don't have that experience of someone looking over your shoulder saying, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, the, like you said, the, I've, I've been doing this for 20 years. And I can tell you that in year five, I did that, which took me this amount of time. But after I learned it in an effective manner, or I experienced it in an effective manner, now I can do that in this amount of time. And But like you said earlier, Mike, it's the, the experience that uh, the 22 years of uh, failing forward and not seeing it as a, you know, a stopping point, but, uh, oh, I... I learned at this point that I need to do this a better way and be more efficient or whatever it is and moving that forward where if you would stop and listen and have that mentorship of, you know, I see why you're going here, but if you go the other, like take this approach, it'll save you and you'll get this result that you're really looking for much faster than what you would normally get. But Sometimes today, it's. I, I don't think that the understanding of what a mentor is, it's, oh, they're always holding me back and not like they're always, ah, oh, come on. Like, well, you have to actually, you know, duplicate before you innovate. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. When we were in school, they, um, one of our assignments was to recreate a photograph that was done by a famous photographer mm -hmm. and like literally try and copy that right. that photograph with the intent of oh this is the process this is how you do it and it wasn't to plagiarize it was to it was a learning experience yeah we do that with the the pen sketching hand you know hand drawing hand sketching it's very important in architecture and if you can't do that you're never going to be able to to model anything. Of, I mean, even we were talking this morning and someone did these great hand sketches. And I was like, got it. This is awesome. This space is going to look cool. They put it in a model. I was like, that's complete garbage. Like, you, you got to get this back in there somehow. Mm -hmm. Like, it, if you had just started with the model, you would never got here. So now you're here, you got this, but you got to get this feeling, you got to get this look. What you're trying to pull that out of the sketch and get it in. Well, and then they start overthinking it, right? Well, I was trying to, no, and they don't know proportions. They don't, they're not understanding everything that goes into the design. They're just putting something in the computer and thinking, yeah. this is cool. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I think in architecture and photography and even in uh, fine art, there's there's a set of fundamentals that you have to have mastered before you can move on to the next level and yes. you know picasso was famous for his abstract drawings and paintings but he could actually render a realistic image very he was very skilled at that but then like you have to do that first then you can be picasso yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but first you got to learn how to draw yeah 
if you don't know the basics, you're uh, yeah, you can't just dive into the the master work. Yeah, in, in, in the world of photography, um, I use the example of um, you know we have all these digital tools and filters and. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Photoshop, and um, you can do all these crazy things. And it's like, just because you can do that doesn't mean you should. And a lot of inexperienced photographers will will just start throwing filters and stuff on there just because oh, yeah. it looks weird or different. Or well, it was like always in our world. It's always like sometimes simple is better. Yeah, like you don't have more. to do less is more. You don't have to keep adding more and more stuff to this building yeah it's make it simple and, and and the way you do that is understand proportions understand how things go together understand you know transitions and materials or anything yeah. like that and how someone's going to walk up to the building how someone's going to approach it walk through once you understand all that it all starts to lay itself out at the end of the day yeah and works yeah one of the best creative directors i ever worked around and with was he would literally go through each piece that we put together and go why is that there why is that there what's the purpose it would like to the new con- it would drive them in like what do you mean there's some there wasn't anything there so there no then get rid of it why why do we have this extra word get rid of it like yeah. clean it clean it refine it refine it and get it all the way down to the less is more until there was that impact of one image with three words with, but that process was painful. To but most. I think we all we all did that. As when you're a certain age, you had those mentors because that's how they were brought up, and that was in ours. And be like, well, why'd you do that? Well, you know, I was thinking about the structure and how it's going to hold up the building. Why is that important? That's all. That was your whole review was just. Another question. No matter what you said, there comes another question. Well, I did this four-inch trim. Why? Why not six-inch? Why not? You're like, but it was all to get you to think, right? Yeah. Think about what you're doing yeah. and don't just throw garbage out there and go, what? It's fine. One of the things that I get to do on a semi-regular basis is go in and do some portfolio reviews for new photography students, and that's the theme. It's like okay there's a telephone pole on the edge of the on the edge of this picture why, why is that there you know yeah. what, is that is that part of the story you're trying to tell if it's not crop it out or physically move yourself in the scene and that's it's part of the process of of developing that eye yeah 50 minutes it goes fast see told you boom we're 50 minutes in to the at 530 on main podcast vps architecture extend group thank you all right so as you're taking pictures and you're in spaces more too because we're talking about spaces what's a space that makes you emotional where where do you go where have you been one of the experiences that i had recently um it wasn't a hundred percent related to what you're you're saying but when i was in new york i got to go up onto the top of the Empire State Building. And that was a very emotional experience for me. And I think just the scale of everything Mm -hmm. and looking down at the city and you could see the Statue of Liberty in the distance and just thinking about 
the number of people living there. My son was with me, and he he lives there. It, it was his dream to to live and work in New York, and so knowing that he's a part of what's happening down there, it was a very emotional experience. And and I I think from an architectural standpoint, it's the fact that you're so high up in the air and you're looking at all this other yeah. architecture. Um, but yeah, that. That's that was the first one that came to mind when I read that question, and I think other spaces, interior spaces, can can have that same effect. Um, you know, to me, it's things like scale and proportion, and it's like if you're in a, a space that has a, just a wide open, uh, you know, ceilings that are a hundred feet tall, or you know, it just it makes you feel so small, and it's things like that can can evoke emotion, I think, in architecture. Yeah. And then understand the history. Like, I always feel like, under well, as an architect, understand the history of those buildings yeah. and yeah. how they were constructed and when at the time they were constructed and to know that there's a lasting impact, you know, from, I'd say a lot of stuff gets built and it gets torn down yeah. but because it has even, no relevance. Even the Victory Theater here right yeah. across the street, you go in there and you're like, it's a beautiful space, and you think about all the things that have happened in there throughout the years and all the performers that have mm -hmm. stood in that space. Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, I agree. I, I agree that the history is, is a big part of that. Wrap-up questions as we go here. You know, you've talked about the physical space and the connection to it. You know, what... When you talk about in your answer to the photography experience, that authentic experience, who, what person, product, brand, who's doing it right? Who has the most holistic brand experience? They are practicing what they preach. You see it in their product. You see it in their advertising. You see it in their reviews. Like who's living it, breathing it? Wow. That's a great question. Well, I'll use the example that of one of my clients, and I'm a little bit biased towards them, but I, I think the University of Evansville is doing a good job with that. They do uh, Purple Fridays, where they go out and they'll give away swag to, to students and just post that on their, on their story. Um, and just they're always out there with with the students and having the students tell the story of U, U of E through their eyes. Yeah. Um, and so I I think that a prospective student that content's going to resonate with that person. Yeah. And yeah, just just that authenticity I, I think goes a long way with with today's consumer. That's hard. Yeah, it's hard. To That's do. hard to do. Yeah, it seems like it's getting harder because they're trying to be authentic. Brought that up before, but it's almost like nowadays you're getting so numb to it. It's almost like yeah, I can tell they're trying to be authentic and they're just doing something again. And not the consumer. They're so savvy now, and they can sniff out that stuff in a heartbeat. It's like no, you guys staged that, that, it. Yeah. It's phony. It's phony. <laughs> yeah, and you know. 
we I used to go into uh, using the UE example again. We used to go in and um, set up a bunch of lighting and mm-hmm. place the students in the exact right spot and like have the teacher leaning over the shoulder of the kid and it's all lit and it looks beautiful and it just that doesn't work anymore so the style now is to just you go in there and you are in there with whatever is happening at the moment and just you're capturing it as it happens you still have to have that eye but it has to be authentic yeah good you have a favorite piece over there Oh yeah, pod decks. Oh, interesting. One. No question twice. What is your favorite body part about yourself? <laughs> wow. None. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I do appreciate being on the taller end of the scale. For no other reason other than it comes in handy with photography. (laughs) I can, uh, usually, it's not flattering to shoot up this way at someone. (laughs) Usually it's more flattering to shoot down this way. And so, by default, my height kind of, I feel like, is an advantage for that. And I can hold my camera way up here. Way up there. Get some some high ankles. (laughs) What an interesting deck of questions <laughs> i was gonna say that's a very that's well, you didn't get the how would you like to die or mm. any of those those questions that, wow. that are in there there's some deep thoughts by jack handy yep mine's brain not that i'm super intelligent but on the level of some other people but just being aware and being able to i can't imagine going through life just like duh yeah. Like not having any kind of desire to learn or yeah, you know, thirst for knowledge is would it's like Well that's a way better answer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Sean? I uh, I should use this as the the moment like uh, as the creative I'm always looking, you know, at the ten percent that's wrong instead of the ninety percent that, that's right. So uh I don't know. I think I like uh Eyes, like I think uh, number one. Still they're a still color that everybody always brain. talks you know, about. I like, like kind of uh, you know the gray a moment, the green a moment, the blue a moment, whatever. whatever. Uh, kind of ebbs and flows with the season, and then I think I see things just a different way with them. I think they. I mean, I have a different view than you know when you go back to the personality types and all those things. It's three percent that see the world through these eyes so i'd go with eyes good answer oh well thank you thank you so we'll celebrate those celebrate those today so as we uh wrap up at 5 30 on main what's one thing you're looking forward to going through experiencing the rest of this year 2022 is it is already halfway over it's already halfway over yes it's hard to believe i am looking forward to doing some rebranding yeah um Maybe you might know some folks that like, I might know help, some folks. help me with that. Yeah. Um, and kind of just trying to be more proactive in some things. My business has been largely built 
on reactive decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm sure that's common, but uh, I want to be I want to be proactive and kind of change change some directions that I'm going. Be careful. It's not always like what happens in the next five minutes. We we might you know that that conversation might get you a little deeper. What are you looking for? What are you, you know, what is the value of this? What is that like that? It is a hard conversation because there's a lot of self-reflection in it. And what are we trying to achieve? And where are we going to go? And It's deep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to light a fire under, you know. Always talk about clients that come in that need that next, like, I need this social media thing. Or I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. I know our listeners like, Oh, here he goes again. But it's that what are we trying to save and just preserve versus what's the long term and how do we build a long process that gets us to where you want to go and your consumer wants you to be and what is your product and service and how does it benefit them? A lot of questions. It's that what you were talking uh, about going through the uh, architecture critique. More questions than we have answers. And then once we get through the questions. It's a process. It's a process. Yes. Yes. But I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So we are uh, wrapping up this edition of At 530 on Main. Like, share, uh, give us your feedback. Go to extendgroup.com or vpsarc.com. There's a big icon at the bottom of each one of those sites where you can listen to the podcast on a website. It'll direct you to your favorite streaming channel. The team here does a really good job of making sure that it shows up almost everywhere and anywhere that we know there's a streaming service available to put the podcast on. Uh, We've recently had some uh, reviews, which is great. Thank you so much. Give it a one, give it a five, you know, put some comments in there, share it, send us some individuals who uh, need to be on this podcast. Always looking for great uh, individuals to come in and have conversations with. So it's at 530 on Main, brought to you by VPS Architecture and Extend Group. We're here in Evansville, Indiana. Any closing Closing. statements, remarks, you know, comments? Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Good. Appreciate it. Yes. Until Uh, next time, at 530 on Main. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.